Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. We're going to talk about uh, the roles of men and women uh, this morning. I, I literally thought about getting a uh, shield or something. We talked about it. I, I thought, dear Lord, here we go, you know. But you know, the truth is God has established marriage and the roles of a husband and wife, literally of men and women. And when we step outside that boundary that God has, has defined, when we look at what God's done, we go back to the garden, we look at uh, the creation of Adam and the creation of Eve and the purpose and all the different factors there in terms of how they are to function. Um, we have a lot to learn, and I think we have a lot to yield to the Lord in the midst of. Because when we get outside the boundaries of how God has designed things, Folks, there's no peace in that. There's no joy in that. There's no contentment in that. When we get outside of the role that God has created for us, then we we lose something. And I think in our society today, we are losing, we've lost something. We need to get back to the basics and be reminded, what does the Word of God say? Today's uh, Valentine's Day. Great day of love, and uh, I hope you got some chocolate. I think my wife found hers this morning. <laughs> so praise God, right? I love chocolate. You know that. Somebody handed me chocolate, and I'm grateful for that. I don't know what to do, because since Thanksgiving, I haven't been able to stop eating chocolate, but praise the Lord. Chapter 1, there's a lot to be said. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 in Genesis about the beginnings of not only creation, uh, but where did evil come from? Uh, How do we deal with sin and the fall? Uh, The first proclamation of the gospel, but also the roles of men and women, husband, wife, family, and how essential that really is. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. We're going to rip through a bunch here and uh, just... Turn quick or flick quick or however you're doing it. If you've got an iPad or an iPhone, uh, I believe we've got this stuff up on the screen for you. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And here's, here's really an important statement, right? Male and female, he created them. We're told to multiply. We're told to rule. In verse 28, he says, God blessed them, meaning male and female. We know it's Adam and Eve. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In other words, we are to rule the earth. The earth is not to rule us. Amen? We are to rule the earth. We are the caretakers. And so there's all kinds of pendulum swings with those statements. But fundamentally, it's very clear that when God created everything and he pronounced it very good, and he put man in the garden... And he told man, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule over it. We are to rule the earth. We are not to be ruled by it. We do not worship Gaia. 
We, we don't worship the creation. We worship the creator. In Genesis chapter 2, we have a more detailed account. And we've looked at this, but we have a more detailed account of the creation of man. He formed man in verse 7 from the dust of the ground, breathed life into him. And in verse 15, the Lord God took the man, we know him to be Adam, and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. Cultivate it and keep it. He placed him in the garden in order to oversee or to rule over, to subdue or to tend. In other words, to work the garden. The word cultivate literally means to work it. To keep it means to watch over it. To guard it. It's habitation. And so there was a guarding, there's a watching over, there's a keeping it. I remember when I was a kid, I was really frustrated one day. We were uh, living in just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and um, our family had made the decision without my brother and I's input. <laughs> uh, I was about 10 years old, something like that. My brother's nine, to go to the Philadelphia uh, flower show. <laughs> flower show, are you kidding me? I mean, as a 10-year-old boy, it was like, are you serious? You're taking us to that? I'll go to the 76ers. I'll, I'll even stomach going to the Eagles, you know. But the flower show, a flower show. So we go down there. <laughs> I was so bummed. I can't even tell you the state of mind. It was so vivid in my mind, you know. Just terrible attitude, totally in the flesh. And so we walk towards this place, and it's in the Civic Center in downtown Philadelphia. My brother and I just kind of dragging our feet. And suddenly I started getting this smell, you know, flowers. I thought, boy, that smells good. I mean, Philadelphia, if you've ever been there, it doesn't smell like flowers, okay? (sighs) We walk into that place, and I I don't know if there's a place on this earth that I could (laughs) think of as the Garden of Eden more like that one. It was amazing. I mean, they had all kinds of landscaping stuff. They had put all kinds of ponds in there, all kinds of different ways to do your back, backyard. They had grass everywhere. They had trees that they had imported in. Have you ever been to one of these things? I mean, my brother and I went, wow. This is like jungle mania. I mean, we could go anywhere we want. We could do anything we want. They had playgrounds. They had all kinds of stuff. I still remember the little, you know, arrowhead necklace that I got from the thing. I mean, it made a mark on me walking into that place. I I can't even imagine what the Garden of Eden is like. There's another place in Philadelphia called Longwood Gardens, and the DuPonts used to, I guess they still own it, but they established it. We would go there at Christmas time, and, and all the lights and the poinsettias and all the decorations that they would do for Christmas, and you know I love Christmas. I mean, it was like walking into heaven. It's incredible. You walk into the place and just that whole feel and the smell. I mean, the garden must have been absolutely beyond imagination. Gorgeous. Adam was placed there in order to guard it, to work it, to cultivate it, to keep it. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's the only time in all of this account that something wasn't exactly right. He says, I will make him a helper suitable for him. 
So in verses 22 through 24, we have the account of Eve. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Being Valentine's Day, I will not go there, even though I could. Verse 24, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You realize how many times that particular verse in the New Testament is used to establish the institution of marriage? Marriage is established from very, the very beginning. The roles are established. I like how Raymond Ortland states this. A book that Wayne Grudem put together on biblical manhood, biblical womanhood. He states this, a man just by virtue of his manhood is called to lead for God. And a woman by virtue of her womanhood is called to help for God. In Ephesians 5.31, Paul quotes uh, Genesis 2.24 in order to establish marriage And he walks through, some of you in K-groups have already been doing this, the directives concerning marriage, how a man is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, how a woman is to submit to her husband, has nothing to do with being inferior, has everything to do with being of equal value, but having different God-given and created and instituted roles. And so there is a submitting Placing yourself willingly under the authority and the direction in the Lord. That's essential. Matthew chapter 19, the Lord speaking about divorce. In verses 4 through 6, he answers and says to them, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Speaking of marriage. In verse 6 he says, So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Or in the account of Mark, the gospel of Mark in chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, where he says, But from the beginning of creation... Meaning from the very moment that God created everything, God made the male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Equal in value, unique in role. Both individually reflecting the image of God. Equally able to interact with and know the Lord, experiencing Him in relationship, and now we understand this more fully, through Christ. Just to remind you what he says in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, and then he clarifies what that looks like. Male and female he created them. Women, you, you are equal in value to men. And unfortunately, in our day and age, and all through the ages, it's a result of the curse, it's a result of the fall, it's a result of sin entering into this world. There has been a putting down and or the other pendulum swing, a lifting up to a higher degree. There's value, value. There's equality in value. There's a uniqueness in role. Galatians 3.28, 
Paul writes, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free man, there's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what he's saying there is not, well, (laughs) you're not a man anymore when you come into Christ, or you're not a woman anymore when you believe in Christ. What he's saying in the body of Christ when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, there is no big eyes and little eyes. There's value. All of us have a personal relationship with the Lord, have the potential of that through Christ. And as the church body, we are one in Christ. You know, it's interesting in Genesis what you can really, as you begin to reflect on this and and pray through and ask the Lord for wisdom in and see the difference. In Genesis, before sin ever enters in, service is good. Service is good. It's not a put down. It's not a slam. It's not to be looked down on. Rather, it's something worthy of honor. Adam taking care of the garden and Eve helping him. It was good. They didn't complain about it. They didn't say, oh man, come on. Submission is good. Submission is good. Eve helping Adam. It's not at the expense of value. It's not a put down due to tyranny. It's rather a recognition of God's instituted order. Leadership. When we talk about leadership, when we talk about it before the fall, it it never had the implication of lording over selfish ambition or, or reasons other than service with responsibility. Work and childbirth are not curses. They were commanded prior to the fall. But as a result of the fall, work became much more difficult. Ladies, those of you who have had children, you understand that there's now pain in childbirth. Headship is what we're talking about here. The role of how God instituted this. This is God's will, folks. This isn't something we created. This isn't something we came up with. This is what God has done. Let me just walk you through how headship and therefore the responsibility of men can be seen in the person of Adam. First of all, in Genesis 1.27, it's very clear that he names the human race man. Man. Now, I know that flies in the face of everything. But that's the truth. What's the implication? It's pointing to the idea that man is supposed to be the head. Folks, you can't get around that. The creation of Adam first and Eve from Adam second in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. The purpose of Eve's creation, the revealing of Eve to Adam as his helper. In chapter 2, verse 18 and 22. When Satan came to tempt, he went to Eve first. And Eve usurped Adam's headship by taking the first fruit and then eating. And then giving it to Adam. She took the initiative. She is the one who should have run to Adam and said, wait a minute, 
Adam and Eve's eyes, it stated in Genesis 3-7, were not open to, to their sin until after Adam took and ate of the fruit. Again, hinting towards headship. It was understood Adam was responsible. In Romans 5.12, you can turn there and look at that, but Adam is held responsible for sinning, and, and through his choice of action, through his sin, death spreads to all mankind. And lastly, God's pronouncement to Adam that it's due to him that the ground is cursed. And, and the Lord specifically says to him in Genesis 3.17, you listen to the voice of your wife, you disobeyed me. Folks, that's, that's headship. Adam's the one responsible here because he's created first, because he was to take on the role of leadership. Each one is created in the image of God. It's clear that God's design for the roles of men and women is that the man is the head and the woman is to help. Headship, not domination, is the issue. You know, we're, we're in conflict about this uh, in this world today. Amen? We're in conflict, forgive me, but in the church in many ways. Because there's all kinds of issues that come out of this. One of the things that's been, uh, as a father, startling to me is the idea that women would serve in combat roles. I'm not talking about serving in the armed forces. I'm talking about serving in combat the day that Holland has to, my daughter has to sign up and potentially be drafted for combat. I, I, I don't see that as biblical, folks. I don't see that as something that's from the Lord. I, and let me put it this way. If somebody breaks into my house, I am not sending my wife and my daughter to go and get the individual. I'm taking the lead. I'm going to be first. And when I am diminished and I can't protect them anymore, then I hope that they will be able to do something to protect themselves. But I'm going to take the first lead on it. I'm not sending my wife and daughter to go do it. Can we get that in a biblical context in the midst of all this discussion about role? Folks, men were created first. Men. We ought to be the spiritual leaders of our homes. We ought to be the ones that are taking the lead in following God. No question about that. We ought to be the ones taking the lead and protecting and watching over and nurturing our families. No question about that. Unfortunately, sometimes that breaks down. And ladies, at that moment, the Lord is your head. And you follow the Lord. And I believe the way the Lord will lead you is to quietly and humbly come alongside of your errant husband in order to encourage him back to the Lord. Because that's the way God works. We see the impact of this sin in every arena of relationships. Rebellion, cruelty, selfishness, hatred, disorder of every kind. We see the breakdown of the family, divorce rates skyrocketing, birth out of wedlock is considered an accepted norm, abortion is looked upon as a right rather than a life. (laughs) Really? It's a life. It's a human life. Nayral was just beside themselves that 
one of the commercials for the Super Bowl, was showing a child in the womb, enjoying the idea of thinking about having a Dorito. (laughs) Do you realize that? They actually literally came against that commercial because they said, you humanize the embryo. Well, it's not a dog. It's not a cat. It's a human being. Amen? How do we see this breakdown? Let me give you four arenas. First of all, in marriage. This sin has impacted every one of us folks. Adam usurping his role, listening to the voice of his wife instead of taking the lead, and Eve initiating leadership in a way that she was never meant to. Every time a woman decides to act on her own in order to do the right thing, usurping the role of her husband, or the flip side of this is every time a man chooses to impose authority in a way that denigrates his wife's value and role as a helper, as equal in value, as beloved, precious, cherished. Doesn't that simply attest to the sinful attitudes and the consequence of sin seen in role confusion and abdication of God's design? You can see it in parenting and children. Every time a child chooses to ignore, disobey, rebel against his parents or... Parents cause their children to stumble. You can see it in our society. Every time leaders within a culture, rather than serving people, use them for their own gain, or a people rebel against their leaders. You can see it within the church family. Every time church leaders tyrannically dominate church members for their own selfish purposes, which unfortunately happens often, too often, Or church members refuse to submit to the authority placed over them within the church. Doesn't this simply attest to the sinful attitudes and the consequence of sin seen directly in the garden at the fall? So the purpose of marriage and family. What is the purpose of marriage and family? What is it that God has done and why has he designed it this way? What are are these roles that we have the opportunity of, of looking at? Well, first of all, there's a representation of the relationship of Christ and the church. A husband and wife loving each other in the way that Ephesians describes that is a representation of Christ's love for the church and the church's love for Christ. Certainly, one of the purposes originally intended is for children to have godly offspring. The fall has messed that one up in many instances, sadly. I would say companionship. It's very clear that companionship is there. Adam, after naming all the animals, was kind of going, what? Where's mine? And the Lord knew that because in verse 18, before he brought the animals to Adam for him to name them, He recognized that Adam needed a helper. I love that. Don't think God doesn't know what you need. The importance of family. Genesis 2.24 is a reminder again. This reason, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Family, family 
It is the nucleus of society. If we have strong families, we have a strong society. If we have weak families, we have a weak society. If we have strong families, we have strong churches. If we have weak families, we have weak churches. Because God has given us a role. He has given us what it is that he has designed and what he has defined. Nobody has the right to change that definition. Let me share with you a little bit about me. I haven't done this a whole lot and thought I would do this. Right? We're all shaped um, by the kind of family life we experience. Isn't that true? We're all shaped by that. This is my mom and dad. When they, were, uh, when they were young, and they were, uh, my mom's from Switzerland. This is kind of a view, and the pictures never give it uh, justice. That's Lake Thun, for those of you who have been there. And Hopkern is the village, uh, the Zorbuchen family. Uh, my mom is a Zorbuchen. Uh, they were from that area. She's a nurse, and she ended up in Africa uh, as a missionary. And my dad is uh, a medical doctor, and he ended up in Africa as a medical missionary, and they met, and uh, evidently, Elsbeth, my mom, did not like him at first. (laughs) She was quite a pistol, Um, piece of work from everything I know. So that's me, that's me, that's my mom, and uh, I was a whopper. I think I was about 12 pounds. Uh, She ate a lot of chocolate, too, (laughs) but that's me. And uh, this man saved my life, uh, Moses. He was helping my parents, and uh, evidently they had put out a whole area in the back, uh, sand for me to play on, and they didn't realize that there was a, a viper pit, viper nest. And so evidently one day they put me out there, and all of a sudden uh, Moses saw that all these vipers were there, and he went and grabbed me and then killed these vipers, whatever. Anyway, I, I look forward. I, I hope that I get to meet him someday. I certainly will in heaven. That's my sister, Karba. And I'm 10 months at the time. She's 7 years old. Um, so she's having a fun time. She's building her muscles. And, uh, but Karba is my uh, sister, adopted. She lives in Virginia now. I love that picture. I look at that picture, and I just see my mom. I see uh, my daughter in her a lot, and um, pretty remarkable, as she had quite a smile. I just put there that there because I know my son is just like, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why they'd put that one, but that's a great one and funny. Anyway, that's our family. That's my uh, little brother, Dave. Uh, He's a year younger than I am. And so Karba, I love her eyes right there. If you, uh, Lord willing, get to meet Karba one day, uh, she hasn't changed much. She looks almost identical to that today, and she's 50 years old. I don't know how that works. But I'm like, Karb, what in the world have you done? You know, what secret you got? Um, but that's, that's the beginnings of our family. Um, this is when we moved back to the States, and uh, this was right before my mom uh, was found to have leukemia. And so we uh, were in Havertown, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of Philadelphia. And I'm about uh, three at that point. My brother's about two. Karba's uh, about 10 years old. And my dad and and mom. Um, Go ahead. Baseball was always something I enjoyed, right? So I always had a bat in hand. Loved it. We played wiffle ball all the time. 
Uh, my mom did not want my hair cut. And uh, she, she liked my hair long, so there's a few pictures that I did not put in here. Um, because uh, it's very girly. And I just thought, you know, amen. Uh, we won't go there, right? Uh, this is after my mom passed away. And so my brother is now about three. I'm about four. Carba is growing up. And my dad, we went to a, a church uh, in Havertown. Uh, it was Grace uh, Baptist Church. And uh, Pastor Linhart, Pastor Hickathier, I still remember their names, dear men of God, uh, made an impact on me and, and our family. Uh, but this is kind of part of our journey. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, we did, I've, I'm sorry, I know some of you have a hard time with uh, uh, some of these uh, things that we do in terms of Halloween and everything like that, but we had a fun time in my family, okay? We had a fun time. And even though my mom had passed away, we enjoyed doing things, we had fun, we laughed a lot, uh, we had a lot of good times. And I can remember that very distinctly when relatives would come. I have one relative in particular, Uncle Alan. He's one of the funniest human beings I've ever been around in my life. And uh, we would just laugh and laugh. Go ahead. Um, so my dad got remarried. Uh, this was my stepmom. And that was my little brother, Glenn. And so uh, I didn't put more pictures in there. I have another little sister, uh, Emily. She now is married. This was in Switzerland. And my grandmother's in the background. And she had taken a, a lady in named Lucy, who was in the foreground. And uh, Lucy was like an aunt to us. She was uh, just an amazing individual. She was in a wheelchair, uh, just a tremendous person. We played games and games and games with her. She had all kinds. She'd always let us win, you know, always let us win. Lucy outlived my grandmother, and uh, when I was 16, uh, my sister and brother and I went to visit her, and uh, Steph and I got to see her before she passed away, um, but a very, very sweet lady, made an impact in our lives. Uh, I won't go there. Uh, so that's me growing up. Keep going. Um, keep moving. That's college graduation. And, uh, and then here's my family at Easter time years ago. Sorry, Steph, I didn't say anything. Um, <laughs> Steph didn't know I was doing this. Uh, this is Jonathan when he's little. He's such a cute little guy. He's got such great cheeks. And then here's Holland. Uh, they were at a wedding, and they were dressed up. And Jonathan, uh, he, he thinks this picture is the bomb. You know, he just, this is, this is it. Uh, they're really cute. Precious, uh, new family, just uh, wonderful times and all the different things. This is one of my favorite pictures of my kids because I would take them camping all the time. And, and so I got this picture of them. It was freezing cold, and we put a fire uh, in the pit, and we got a, a good blanket around them, good uh, sleeping bag around them. And I, I love that picture. This is in Arizona. We had served in Georgia for a little while, went to Arizona, and uh, ended up... Uh, coming here from Arizona. Go ahead. This is Christmas time here. It's one of our first Christmases, uh, Christmases in uh, Albuquerque. And you can see how much the kids have grown. It's unbelievable. Um, I love that picture. Sorry, Jonathan. I didn't tell him either um, <laughs> that I was doing this. It was a lot of fun. He and I went up to the Jemez, and this is only just a couple years ago. He's taller than me now, but uh, this is them up in Arizona. It had snowed quite a bit, and we went up onto the Magallan Rim, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, down at the Isotopes uh, game just a few years ago as a family shot. 
Um, this is uh, kind of the recreation of that initial camping picture. Uh, I guess it was like two summers ago now. And so you can see how much they've grown. It's always a shock to look back on it. Um, and then this is Holland. Uh, she was a part of the story. And that headdress hat, I don't know what to call that, the thing on her head, um, just stuck out. But it was just a wonderful time. She really enjoyed that. It was a lot of fun. And then, of course, Jonathan this year going to school uh, with Regis, uh, which we host and partner with, with John Kinzer. And and this is Stephanie, uh, my beloved wife, who's uh, my best friend. And I'm thankful for her. Um, Because we're a family. See, the thing is, a lot of people think that Family is just all the kids added in. But folks, you realize Adam and Eve were a complete family. Steph and I are a complete family. The kids are a blessed addition. And we're thankful for them. (laughs) We're thankful for them. Because they've added and enriched our lives. Folks, family shapes us. Family forms us. Your experience in family has made a mark on you. Your experience in the midst of your relationship with your spouse and your children makes a mark on you. It begins to shape you into what God has for you. When I see these kids today and know that the vast majority of them do not live with both biological parents and that that's become the norm when we see society degenerating to where it is folks I go back to that Francis Schaeffer quote when we neglect the word of God do we not understand or know the end thereof When we talk about the roles in marriage and we talk about husbands and wives, we talk about men and women. Folks, God is the one who's ordained this. God has orchestrated this. Nobody here is perfect at it, much less me. But when we yield to Christ and when we give our lives to the Lord and Christ comes to live within us, then God is the one that begins to lead us and guide us and direct us concerning how we are to walk in the midst of what he has designed. When we begin to allow flesh and we allow our own selfish interests to take away from God's design, when we begin to place I at the center of everything, whether it's in family, whether it's in the marriage, whether it's in society, whether it's in church, folks, we're diminished by that. Families have been created to reveal God's grace. Families and the environment that God has created has been done so in order for us to learn to walk in love, to pass on values and belief systems to the next generations. And those belief systems are sometimes very um, minute. Sometimes they're deeply profound a belief in Jesus Christ, a consistent and transparent walk of faith, integrity, work ethic, 
and many practical lessons of how to live life, to work hard. There, there's a picture in, in a, uh, a family where the husband and the wife both are believers in Christ Jesus and Christ is working in and through them. There's a picture for that family, for those kids of what it means to have a healthy family, how to get through tough times, how to get through disagreements, how to walk through good times, etc. Families ought to be a place of protection, not only physically, but emotionally, mentally, spiritually. When you come home, my desire for my kids is when they're, when they're at home, they know they're safe. They're not going to be condemned. They're not going to be judged. They may be corrected, but it's out of love. They know they're valued. And, and everybody in the world can think they're the worst, but they know mom and dad think they're the best. Not because of anything they've done or haven't done, but because of who they are, their intrinsic value, because they're created in the image of God, and therefore they're special. Let me just close with this. Titus chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Such a beautiful picture of men and women in the roles. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith and love and in perseverance. Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips nor enslaved to too much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible pure workers at home doesn't mean they can't work outside the home but it means that the focus of their energy and attention is the home kind being subject to their own husbands so that the word of god will not be dishonored fathers are essential mothers are essential the family is god's design and nobody has the right to redefine it in any other way than what God has said. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. Everyone has a story. Please tell us yours. Visit www.hoffmantown.org and click on the Tell Us Your God Story link on the homepage to share yours with us. Thanks for listening to our podcast, and we hope you will join us next week.